There are more identity threats than you realize. Even if you monitor your credit, only a little personal info needs to leak out. Like your social security number or password. Or you to become a victim. LifeLock alerts you to threats you could miss. If your identity is stolen, a dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions, but everyone can save up to 25% off their first year. Go to LifeLock.com aware. This is Tyler Don here with Jim Monis for a morning live stream podcast. So wherever you're listening or watching, we greatly appreciate it. We are always brought to you by our good friends at Fatty Beer Company. Um, we're not drinking a fatty. It's it's 6.49 a.m. here on the East Coast, but we, we each got a coffee. And Jim, it's good to see you back in Western New York because you have a brewed coffee as opposed to the... You know, slapdash uh, Marriott room two eleven <laughs> quick coffee there that just basically tastes like tar. But you have maybe you have to drink it. You have to power through sometimes. You described it perfectly. I mean, that's how it tastes. But it is good to get a nice. There's something about brewing that fresh cup at home. Absolutely, yeah. Are you? Uh, I never even really asked you. What? How do you take your coffee, Jim? How do you do that? I'm straight. Straight black. How I want to talk about the Bills. Well, we could talk about coffee too. I, I I don't discriminate. Sometimes it's straight up black coffee. Sometimes a little uh, a little cream, but you know. I always say depends. You know how obviously we can spin everything into a gambling kind of comparison, but. Um, you know, if you take cream and sugar, it's whatever you like. It's fine. But that's how I compare gambling on the brackets as opposed to gambling on the games. You know, if you like cream and sugar, that's nice. You want to you want to gamble on the games? That's the bracket. Cream and sugar is the bracket. You take your coffee black. Now you're gambling. And I know you did a little bit on this tournament. I did. I did. You know, it is true, though. Like, I, I don't really function until... I'm about two and a half coffees in. Before then, it's, it's kind of like what Sammy Watkins said, you know, a few years ago for that story of Bleach Report. And he said some, he said a lot in that story. Yeah. But one thing that is absolutely true is like, you know, when you wake up some mornings and there's just like, it feels like you just hate everything. There's like a parasite in your brain and you're just ornery yeah. and agitated yeah. and yes. everything pisses you off. He's like, yes. he's like that there's something going on there. I don't know if he meant like demonic or there, there's something <laughs> right. gnawing at you that you need to get rid of. To me, it's just not having coffee. Like I'm not normal until I I'm get a few coffees on. in and it's yep, everything you're saying. I'm with you right now. It's right. part of the right. daily routine. But this episode, Jim, we are yes. long overdue to talk Buffalo Bills. So if you're watching on the stream, you're in luck because Jim Monas. We're ready to bring his expertise <clears throat> as a former director of personnel with the Bills uh, to the table. And, you know, I, I think going into this offseason, the way I wrote it in a, 
a story I'll have posted shortly after we record this, Jim. Um, I, I tried to, it's, I guess it's more of a column. I'm, we'll get into it a little bit on the direction of the Bills. Like to, to, to me, philosophically, they've got to lean into Josh Allen, lean into offense, stop coaching scared, you know, um, proceeding through the offseason as if this is a defensive team. Like, just load the F up as much as you can. And they're doing it, and we're going to get into it. I, I love their early signings. But at the start of this offseason, Brandon Bean, whether it was at his his season-ending press conference, the NFL Combine, and then the first week of free agency early on, it's like he's kind of like uh, – you know, cousin Eddie in, in Christmas vacation warning his kids that Santa's not coming this year, right? He's been trying to prepare everybody for the worst, like all these fans that enjoyed the Von Miller signing last year and, you know, they're winning and it's just the, the Super Bowl window's wide open. It's He's been trying to temper expectations down and, and warn everybody, we're not going to do a damn thing. So nobody get excited, right? Nobody's getting any Christmas presents under the tree. That being said, maybe it's the thrifty middle-aged dad in me now. I kind of love everything they're doing. I think they're getting bang for their buck. Damian Harris, Trent Sherfield, Deontay Hardy, um, Connor McGovern, a new left guard. These are meat and potato kind of signings that they, they need. Smart signings. They've been overpaying a lot because they can. Every team can when you have that quarterback on a rookie contract. So it's not that big of a deal. Now it is a big deal. Now, now that $260 million contract kicks in. Diggs is $96 million deal. Tredavious White, 69 mil. Um, Dawson Knox, Mitch Morse. They've got a lot of – Deion Dawkins, Matt Milano. A lot of players making a lot of money. It, it, it stops you from really participating those first 48 hours of free agency. Um, but, I mean, just as somebody who's been in this position – What's that like when you're getting into free agency and you know, okay, you know, we don't have a ton of silly money to throw around at guys. We've got to be smart and prudent. And I mean, you, you kind of live both. I remember, you know, at the start with, with Rex, that's when you do the shady trade and, you know, you take the stab at Richie and um, Charles Clay was a big signing and, you know, you're re-signing Cordy Glenn, Marcel Darius. There's a, there's a lot going on. Yeah. And then kind of toward the end, it seemed like even with Sean, I guess, right? That first off season, it was, we're going to try to, we, we, we only have one choice, but to be a little smarter, but what, what's the two mind frames as a personnel man, when you a have that green light to spend away and then b we need to operate frugally. It's exactly what we talked about as far as that dust settles philosophy, where, you know, right away, you know, because of talking to agents before free agency, which we all know it happens, you kind of will gauge, like they know this class of free agent signings they just had. They knew going into it, they had a chance at these players. Like realistically, this is what we're going to be willing to spend. They would talk to those agents knowing that those that's, that's fair market value for those players. So this honestly gets set up, as you know, when you're out there in Indianapolis, it does get set up out there. So when that when that clock strikes for free agency, the big boys get get those signings quick. Those are done, obviously, and then you see these, you know, the other ones, what we call the dust settle signings, which is the way to live. 
I believe that in free agency. And I told you that before I learned that from Doug Whaley. I'm not in the, I, I have to get, you know, that was something I learned. Like just take a breath. Don't go all in on a guy right away. You know, we talked about Percy Harvin shady. I like the, you know, I like going for that, but sometimes <laughs> right now we needed to do that back then because we didn't have Josh Allen. So we were trying to make our splash with other names and that's, that's the wrong way to do it. I mean, you're, you're, you're basically just covering up. You're trying to cover up the main issue. The Bills don't have to cover up the issue. They have Josh Allen. I love what you're saying. Load up that offense. And these signings are all players that I know I value because they have one thing every time you watch all these players they sign. They're tough. They are professional tough. And I, that means something in free agency because that means they're not just in love with where they were, the situation they were in, what team they were in. They love football. They're going to come to Buffalo, yeah. buy in right away. You know, it's 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 a no. These are these are the best. I do. I really love these types of signings because they've done their work. I do believe that with the Bills, where they will do their work to make sure these are the types of players that will fit what they're trying to build here. And it is funny, Tyler. That, that, all offense. Yeah, and I mean that if Doug Whaley's greatest strength. You know, and with with you as his right hand man, it really was finding these type of players in secondary free agency, even in the middle of the season. Yeah, you know, just a, a ton of guys come come to mind, um, offense and defense. Where you know you find somebody on a one year deal. I, I mean, I like the idea of getting players on on a one year deal too. That it doesn't cost you a lot of money, and as we always come back to, it's this is a human game played by humans. These are the dudes who have every incentive to have this season of their life because they want to cash in. Um, the Chiefs did a great job of that last year. They lose, they, they trade Tyreek Hill. They get this treasure trove of a haul, and they go sign Juju Smith-Schuster, <laughs> who has everything to prove after TikToking his heart out with the Steelers, and he just got a big deal with the Patriots. So he was he was great for them. Made some big catches in the Super Bowl. Those are the kind of guys you have to look for when you can't just go spend four or five year deals uh, at eight, nine, ten million a clip. And Trent Sherfield, Deontay Hardy, these are two players. You know, we did the stories on and go along. And I mean, start with Sherfield. Man, I mean, talk about a player who has just been wronged, screwed over, a victim of true politics in the NFL. I mean, his wide receivers coach with Arizona is literally telling him, you won the job. You are a starter as an undrafted player in year two. But Steve Kime over here, he just drafted three wide receivers. And he needs to see them on the field. He needs to see Andy Isabella. He needs to see Hakeem Butler, by the way, XFL wide receiver now with the Battle Hawks. And uh, Keyshawn Johnson, not – not the key shot, yeah, not the right. but who's with the the Bills on the practice squad now? Yeah, I mean Trent Sherfield outplayed them all, and it didn't matter. And then he gets to San Francisco, and what happens with the 49ers? He wins one of the starting jobs those those first three receivers. He outplays Brandon Ayuk, and according to Trent, he said that basically the 49ers told him, I'm, I'm guessing the PR department, and said, "Hey, look, we're going to put you in front of the media." You know, basically telling him, downplay your own performance. This is a weekend of the season. He started the first game, caught a, caught Trey Lance's first touchdown when Trey Lance 
uh, came in for Jimmy Garoppolo uh, against Detroit. And they tell him, down, basically down talk your own performance, pump up Brandon Ayuk, talk about special teams, which is wild, right? I mean, this is why we always say take everything at a podium for what it's worth. <laughs> it's a lot of messaging going on, a lot of pull tested, sanitized. It's just not reality in many cases. Um, and I found the interview, Jim. It's on the website, and it's true. He sounds chipper and happy and eager to get back into special teams again. Uh, but he told us, I mean, people on the podcast, if you'd heard it, I mean, he, he got into this, that he was, he was, it was killing him. Like he wanted to be a receiver. He proved he was a good receiver. Now, Brandon Ayuk ended up turning into a, a damn good receiver and had a thousand yards the next season and it, it paid off. But still for him not to be able to have a role with the Niners was, was damning. And then he gets his chance. Mike McDaniel, Tells him it's a meritocracy here. You will have a fair shot. I know how you've been wronged. Here you will have a chance to, to play. And he had, you know, over 400 yards, some big plays as that third receiver in Miami's offense. And to get him on that that second wave, a one-year deal, I don't even know the numbers. I'm sure it's not much. Um, where he's still hungry to get more. And this is one of the hardest working receivers in the NFL. He took it all the way back to his childhood, to Vanderbilt. You put it perfectly, pound for pound, Sherfield, Hardy, Harris, tough as nails. All of them. Always love Damian Harris. He's always been one of my favorite bags. When he's healthy, I know he's been banged up. But you but know what you're getting. Two you know down back. Yeah, you know what you're getting with Harris. I, I, I'm a, I love that too. It's, it's like anything when you're shopping. You know, you want to know what you're buying. And sometimes just because it costs more doesn't mean it's a better quality. And it's so true in free agency, you know, just because you spend the money for a guy doesn't mean that's the right move. And Connor McGovern is a versatile guy that's once again, he'll buy in tough. That, that's, that's how you do free agency. I really, I believe it. And, and especially in their situation, when you have the quarterback limited a little bit on money, are you, don't you just love every team restructuring every single player though, right away? Like, didn't Mahomes and Josh Allen just sign and then, oh, yeah. restructuring? <laughs> it's, 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 it's a little it's bit. Really a, it's, a, yeah, it's a little bit much. It's like, it's so, I mean, it's akin to uh, anybody out in the real world juggling, you know, 10 different credit cards and like moving money around it's, and figuring yeah, out where they can push money down the road. And like, that's, that's running an NFL team. Oh, let me just get another credit card and bullshit my way through this. For, like, like but, that, but though eventually you have, it's, that's why the analogy is perfect, right? Jim, eventually those checks, those bills come home to roost. Like you've got to, you've got to pay these guys. You've got to suffer the consequences. And, it's, I get it. It's it's smart. It's going to get you through yeah. and give you a chance to even clear the cap and and sign a few depth players. But look, the Rams, look, it was – I'd still argue it was worth it because they won a Super Bowl, and that's what it's about. But, man, the Rams are blowing it up. I mean, they're blowing the roster up, right? I'm with you on that. It's it's so hard. We talked about it. It's just the, it's, if the owner has to be on board. The Jets are about to do it. I mean, the owner has to be on board to go all in. You know, and like I said, all in, as long as the owner doesn't care about the fallout. And that's what they're going through right now is the fallout. So they might not care. I, you know, I would guess they don't. 
just going through it. I mean, I can say, though, I, I was so fortunate to be with the Eagles and Saints when windows opened and windows closed. But it's fun to be in those windows, like every year working there, being a part of it and trying to build it the right way, sustain success year in and year out. That's that's what you you know, that's what you're taught to do in the front office for ownership, sustain success. That's that's to me is the key. So anyway, but if the owners say, hey, I'm all in, then you're good, free to go. And let's go. And hey, you're, it won't. That would be my thing. Am I going to lose my job on the fallout because we're going to have some bad years? And he says, nope. Then we build it back up. Let's go all in. So anyway, and yeah, the- I, I do think the Bills, I think you said it too. I think they're going to try to find ways where they're still building with young running backs with Cook and Hines, who they, they acquired last year. They're going to find ways to mix all these guys. Harris fits, you know, kind of the, he's different than what they bring. So I, I see what they're doing. Sherfield, Hardy, different. I like it. You know, I like you could see them thinking how they're going to use each player. And that's the key right there. When the coach has a vision for those players, they're going to usually succeed. Well, you'd hope they'd have a vision. Naeem Hines received all of 13 touches in 11 that, games. That didn't make sense. I mean, because we both, I mean, I know I thought that was going to be, a, I thought they were going to have fun, you know, using him because he was a player that, and he's, the funny thing was when they did use him, he, he produced pretty well. I mean, I thought he, I thought he did. I liked the way he looked. It's hard sometimes to get a feel. It's hard for guys to come in sometimes. I don't know. He won, he won them, won them the game against New England with the kick returns, obviously. So he's, he's got some pop and I, I mean, that's so true on sustained success, and it's still about the draft, and you kind of chuckle. I'm sure Brandon Bean isn't alone in this department, but I, I can remember when he was hired, right, shortly after you guys were let go. And at his press conference, he is stressing the importance of building through the draft and saying it we're, it's not about those big-ticket signings. And that's a, that's been a theme, yet they've, they've, they've been making those signings, even beyond Von Miller, th- th- those big splashes. And I – I get it. I, I think it's been smart. I mean, you've got to make that trade for Diggs. It, that helped elevate Josh Allen. Yeah. You've got to try to, to get that pass rush going when all these defensive linemen you keep drafting are kind of average. So I get that. Um, but it's got, it's still going to be those those drafts that you mentioned those windows opening and closing. New Orleans is a great example where you've got, you've got Drew Brees, but it wasn't like they competed for Super Bowls every single year with Brees. It it did kind of go up and down, and what kind of brings you back are two, three really good drafts in a row. That's what Buffalo needs right now. They, you know, they've only extended two players drafted by Bean, Allen and Knox. Um, they've they've got to they've got to start drafting better. I know it's simplistic, but that's just the truth of the matter. Is you've you've got to nail studs, and and you, you hoped you had one in Tremaine Edmonds. And he's off to Chicago. It was never a concerted effort to to bring him back. And I, I agree with it. I don't think he, he ain't worth that money. Hell no. He's not the, that's, uh, but he's it's, not the, it, it, it's a right. subtle indictment of your drafts. I look at Edmonds as a player that he wasn't a he wasn't a problem. Like he wasn't a bad pick. You can argue where he was picked. That that's the debate of drafts that can drive you crazy 
quite honestly, in the front office, that Edmonds is a good football player. But good doesn't equal where he was drafted, right? The expectations are too high. Or not maybe not too high, but the expectations are always going to be high when you're drafted high. And I don't know if it's fair to the player sometimes that they can live up to what we – everybody has a vision of what a first-round pick is. And Edmonds, to me, good player. You're going to be okay without him. I, I, I that that's how I always looked at it. Where you're gonna, I really believe that it wasn't their defense will be okay. So I, and their team's going to be okay because the quarterback is right there. When it comes to inside linebacker, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd like your theory on this. I, I would always just focus on the middle rounds. It's just it's important, but it's it's not a premier position that you need to trade up for a guy to get in the middle of a first round for, and then pay him a ton of money. Um, now Matt Milano is a difference maker. He's unbelievable. You guys drafted him. Uh, he's, he's worked out, but I, yeah. by and large, I, I don't know. I mean, David Long just signed with the dolphins at two years, 11 million. He, he, he's a great player. You know, I the metrics he say is. he's one of the best run defenders. He is two so years, nasty. 11 million. He's nasty. Like he is. And now he's with I, I would do this with linebackers. I'm with I, you. Got to be careful saying putting a certain um, a round on a like a player how you vision a middle round for a linebacker because it's tough. You don't want to get into that. You have to set your board the way you set it. You know, and, and how you value the linebacker that's up to your really to your coaching staff. I I laugh almost. I was just having a talk with. Um, well, speaking of the XFL, you know, we're, we're always meeting. And I was just meeting with Mark Ross, who we've had on the show. You know, I work with Mark. He, he's still on NFL Network, but he runs, you know, XFL. And Brian Westbrook, um, former Philadelphia Eagle. And the three of us were just going through, just talking about players and toughness. And it's just always fascinating to hear, like, an ex-player talk about his experiences and the windows opening and closing. And Brian went through the – the window in Philly and and then he went through the his career leaving Philly where you know when he gets older and then you start moving on and going to another team and I, I almost forgot he played for San Francisco he was talking about you know Brian Westbrook and San Fran I almost forget about it but my point is I guess on free agency it's just it's wild the whole philosophies are just so wild all the time on players players study it they just can't get over how some other players get paid. <laughs> right. Basically. Yeah. It drives that, guys nuts. Yes. They just, they look at those signings. They're like, if he's getting that, I should get this. I mean, I and you've got to have that, that, that cockiness. You've got to believe in yourself. If, if nobody believes in you, no you you've got to believe in yourself. It, like, But I chuckle as Cam Newton is preparing for the Auburn Pro Day saying that there's not 32 MFers better than him. I, I'm sorry, Cam. There there are probably 64 MFers better than you at this point. Pal. Quickly on Cam. All, all, he's one of my all-time favorite players I've ever scouted and watched. And he is so, to me, he is so off and wrong on this. And I'm disappointed. And it's time for him just to go figure out that next part of his life. I, he's not good enough anymore. Anyway. The other part I wanted to talk about, I got sidetracked with Westbrook, was we were talking about the linebackers. The evolution of when I started in 
in Buffalo and we signed Brandon Spikes. And, and you know, it's yeah. not like it was a big signing, but he had, yeah. we drafted Preston Brown. These guys were middle linebackers who were productive for us and good football players. Then we get Rex. We drafted Reggie Ragland. Like, but this football has changed quick. No, Tyler, that's 10 years. Like we drafted Preston. That was the 2014 draft with Sammy. It's what we're nine years. Honestly, I think Preston would be undrafted right now. And we took him in the third round. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure he was competing for the league lead in tackles. Um, whether it was with us oh, or he was or the, yeah, the start of his career, he was great. Well, he it wasn't, but point is the game is just bump line yeah. middle linebackers to a whole different these guys are now glorified safeties. That's what Milano was. I mean, I didn't think he was honestly, he's better than I. I mean, I'm not gonna sit there and act like I thought he was you would never take a guy in the fourth or fifth round and, and saying I knew he was gonna turn into this, but he hit when you see a mid-round linebacker, you think special teams right away. That player has to contribute on teams. And Milano, we thought would do that just based on his whole, you know, skill set. But wow, is he a what a man. He makes impact plays, I think, every game, Milano. Like every game he makes he's, impact plays. He's unbelievable. Yeah, he's he's unbelievable. He he you know just and of course, a go long all old school team, you know, founding member. That was a good. I like that you put. Yeah, that was a good one. You, and the other thing we but, didn't um, talk about, Tyler, that the other one thing I wanted to mention too with Buffalo that they've done a good job because we talked about this. I was concerned about that breakup at safety in the secondary. They kept it together. That that tells me they believe. They believe like we're okay. These guys, like, just give me Poyer for another year. Hyde's going to be okay. So they're. They're doing what you do when you you're in the window. They're they're they realize they don't want to rock the boat too much on that side of the ball. So a few thoughts. The linebacker uh, conversations. It is fascinating. I mean, Preston Brown and boy, it was Spikes. always great talking to him. He just would explain the game in in layman terms, and it was honest. I, I can remember that first training camp with Rex Ryan's defense and. This was like the first red flag that I saw where he's running the defense and just talking about it. His mind was like in a million different places. And he's like, holy hell, like I'm up until 2, 3 a.m. Just trying to learn as much as I can. There's checks on checks on checks on checks and players running in, players running out. And they're so used to Jim Schwartz's see ball, get ball, just go defense. Um, In addition to him, yeah, physically just being a, a bigger dude. And there's a coach for the Arizona Cardinals I was talking to last year who told me when they drafted yeah Zaven Collins mm-hmm. out of Tulsa 6'4 260 that they drafted him with Tremaine Edmonds on the mind like they they looked at like, Tremaine Edmonds as like this is the future tall big athletic fast and I get it that's why you can love Tremaine Edmonds because with with zone defenses in the NFL, he's it's almost just like dropping a, a, a human tent in the middle of the field with those long arms. He's taken away passing windows. Um, that there is a value to that. I get it that we that necessarily isn't realized with the naked eye with Tremaine Edmonds. And he'll have a big hit here and there, like he did in the Miami game. But I commend the Bills because 
he, he was never worth what he what he got because you've got to judge this team through those playoff losses at this point. I mean, and then that's that's where fans get it, Jim. I, I talked to them here in town, and they, yeah, like they they were frustrated with the drought and everything that that entailed. But now they know they have a window with Josh Allen, and they want the team to operate with Josh Allen at the forefront of their mind. You mentioned Cam Newton. Hell, it was year six that Cam Newton started nosediving. You know, he had his big 2015 MVP season, what, like 4,700 total yards, 45 touchdowns, and then the injuries added up. And he just was never the same. He had one more winning season and never made a Pro Bowl after 2015. And after we saw what he did that year, if you were to say that, I'd, I'd say, Jim, you know, here's a number for a doctor. You're insane. Um, but he just was – because he take you take hits at that size. And we've talked about it. I, I want Josh Allen still to run. That's, that's what gives you a chance versus the Mahomeses and the Burroughs and the Lawrences and the Tuas. I always got to throw a two in there. Like you need Josh Allen in full. You need him in full. So I, would, I don't want to take that away from him. Um, but it just heightens the urgency to win now if you're the Buffalo Bills. And I think the moves so far are encouraging. The Diggs unhappiness is still weird to me. I know he's going on the shop and he's talking about being in a dark place last year. And, you know, you can see he's he's upset about this play. He'll, He'll be out there. He'll play. But, you know, keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on the fact that he turns 30 soon. Uh, I'd still draft a receiver. You know, Gabe Davis in the final year, his his deal. Who, who cares what the room looks like? Just just, just add a weapon. And then it brings me to the, the next point here. Now you need your head coach to coach through that Josh Allen urgency lens where you need to go for it on these fourth and shorts. You need to throw. Like, I would – I wouldn't hold him back at, at all. Throw 35 times a game, run them, do everything you can because you gotta you gotta live like there's no tomorrow, honestly. Like who because who knows? Who knows what happens after this season? I know it's it's a long time ago, but I was with lucky enough to be in Philly with Donovan McNabb, and Andy Reid wasn't holding him back. I mean, he it's it's you know what? When you look back and think what Andy Reid did with Dom and McNabb, considering where, where McNabb came from in college, it couldn't be more opposite of what Andy Reid was trying to run offensively. He liked Cade McNown. Well, right? let's just do this. He did. But let's say, let's say it this way. He made... Regardless, he was able to – now, obviously, McNabb is an incredible talent, but that's coaching because Andy Reid did it with Patrick Mahomes too, where he played in a style of offense that wasn't anything like he's about to run. I shouldn't maybe say anything like it, but as far as it wasn't just snap your fingers and he's ready to come in and play, there was – either was McNabb. And that's why when I talk about the greatest coach of all time, that's the stuff I talk about where he took college quarterbacks that were different than what we think of as NFL ready and made them, you know, what not made them. Cause these guys are obviously incredible, incredible talents, 
McNabb and Mahomes are off the charts, physically gifted, athletically. They love football. They're smart. But the the marriage, the marriage that Andy Reid, I mean, I just think that's remarkable. We see because we talk so many times about fits and quarterbacks going to the wrong place. And that's that's he is such the opposite of that. And that's why I'm excited to see if like what what Sean Payton can do with with Russell Wilson, guys I've been around that that. You know, I haven't seen Sean Payton draft and develop a quarterback, to be quite honest. I haven't seen that. You know, he got Drew Brees. Drew Brees was an established good quarterback and got healthy and and fit Coach Payton's style. But it wasn't like Brees wasn't a a talent or developed already. He was already a known, you know, you knew what you were getting. I guess my point is, It's hard. It's hard to find guys that can develop rookie quarterbacks, and he did it twice. Not only that, I mean, look at in between McNabb and Mahomes. You had Michael Vick, Michael Vick, out of prison, straight out out of prison, prison. doing what he did. That's insane. It's insane. Quarterback goes to jail for dogfighting. I'll I'll take what a year and a half, two years. I'll I'll use AJ. I'll go back and throw AJ Feely in the mix. He was actually able to get value. He got value for A.J. Feely. We couldn't believe it. We were sitting there thinking, what? Yeah. A.J. So Feely, uh, Jeff, Jeff Garcia had, had a little run in there, a little right? Run, a little run. I mean, um, I'm pretty sure. And then Alex, Alex Smith, Smith, he resurrects Alex Smith's career. Anyway, that just builds the uh, resume for him being the best coach. But – yeah, and it job, tells you you should probably find an offensive mind as your head coach. I'm sorry. Like, this is why you want an offensive head coach. Because if you have the defensive guy, you're cycling through coordinators. Look, Ken Dorsey might be amazing this year. Like, for the Bills' sake, you hope he is. He might figure figure stuff out and start scheming up receivers wide open. But then guess what? He's going to become a head coach somewhere. And now you're working in Joe Brady. And then he might be going through the growing pains that Dorsey went through in 2022 and you're just i i don't know like a, there are defensive coaches who can win and make the playoffs but it's the offensive coaches who win super bowls and stick around for a long time and develop well we talk we always compare stuff with basketball a lot and i think about phil jackson and how much credit does he get as far as you won with some pretty good players but other guys had those players as well kobe Michael Jordan, okay, Shaq. But they played for other coaches and didn't get titles. So there is something about the the marriage of the ultimate talent, which McNabb, Mahomes, and then ultimate coach, like to me, it works. It, they Even the talents need a certain style of coach to get them to that, you know, to that level, I think, to, to win a title. Because I don't know, I can't sit here and tell you Phil Jackson. I don't know if he's a great coach. I mean, I have, I think he is. Obviously, he runs whatever his, however he structures a, an NBA team and and daily routines and his style. It works. But he had Jordan, Kobe, and Shaq. I mean, there's a lot of coaches that would probably say, "Hey, Phil, I wouldn't mind the shot with coaching them either." It's whereas, a- whereas I look at. What, and that's why I give Andy Reid more credit. He he did develop them from college, you know. 
that's why I, and look Andy Reid is a disciple of of Mike Holmgren and I think Mike Holmgren got the best out of Brett Favre Brett Favre who was just he was never the same post Holmgren and if I have one fear with these bills it's I feel like Brian Dable was to Josh Allen what what Holmgren was to Favre like innovative cutting edge um, with offenses and in, in today's football but even more than that doesn't coddle the quarterback that you know players love Dayball and they'll run through a wall for him and they'll praise him to the high heavens but he gets on you like you're from Feliciano on here like like he will he will get on you when you f up and that's what a guy like an, a young Allen a young Josh Allen needed he could kind of harness and maximize the strongest arm in the NFL similar to Holmgren with, with Favre, and I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm not saying Dable's Phil Jackson, but he there is something special there that we're already seeing with the Giants. No, and it's it's why we talk about coaching matters. It matters, and we've seen it enough that and I think this is a good way to sh- like with Miami's offense and what the Giants are doing now. It, coaching matters, Jacksonville mm-hmm. with Doug Peterson's getting out of you know how we saw you know glimpses of. You know, now it's on the quarterback in Jacksonville. I believe that with Trevor Lawrence. It's on you now, Trevor. Like, I've seen I, you, you. it's structured right for you. You know, now it's time for you to make the throws when it counts. You know, he's got to play better, too. So, anyway, but but coaching matters. Kansas City, offensive coach Andy Reid. Um, Cincinnati, offensive coach Zach Taylor. Jacksonville. Offensive coach who goes for it on fourth down with the freaking Philly special against Bill Belichick at the one yard line at the end of the first half. And Doug Peterson, Mike McDaniel, <laughs> brilliant. And and now you've got, he's got Vic Fangio, which I think Vic Fangio will be a really good bench coach for him too. Just a veteran who's seen it all. Oh, I mean, these sure. are off offensive coaches have all of these quarterbacks in the AFC. Um, that's I think the Bills are still close. I still think the Super Bowl window's open, but that's my, the whole point of my story today, Jim. It's like you need this philosophical change. Like you need to go all in on Allen, all in on offense, because look around. Oh, by the way, the Jets might get Aaron Rodgers, which I don't think that's going to end well. But there are people who do. Um, it's well, Lamar Jackson's going to play somewhere. That's that's. It's an interesting what you're talking about with the offensive head coaches. Now look at the AFC head coaches who are not offensive coaches with the franchise quarterback, Sean McDermott, Harbaugh in Baltimore, um, um, Jets. He's not, Salah. he's not offense. So let's, let's keep our, let's pay attention. Bill Belichick obviously isn't considered, you know, he didn't cut his. Here's what's interesting with Belichick though. I mean, he had Josh McDaniels for over a decade. That's what it gets like gets lost. He was able to keep his offensive guy there for a long time. But bottom line is, let's see if these defensive coaches win with, you know, Tomlin did it. Tomlin did it. But that's but you don't you got you just still have to be careful with specifically saying offense. I think it has to be the right guy to lead the, the organization. Yeah. It does have he has to be the right guy to lead the organization. However, you however you come to that. I just I remember going through that process. We were talking about this a lot too with 
like how quickly those Eagles coordinators got hired. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like, are they ready to be the face of a franchise and read it, lead a team? Or are they great coordinators? You know, it seemed a little, I, well, obviously we don't know and find out, but. You're right. You know, there's more that goes into coaching than just dialing up plays. And I, you're, you're absolutely right in that. I mean, and, and let's give McDermott credit. A player almost died on the football field. There's no playbook for that. No, no, no. What they went through, yeah. Sean, but you got to remember, too, with Sean's career, and, and this is what I always respected, especially during the interview process, especially with Anthony Lynn and every every coach we interviewed, Tyler, it was like, and when you do stories on people, I know you're always, you come away from some of those stories blown away with what they went through just to get to where they are. Sean went through a lot professionally. You know, he 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 got fired by Andy Reid in Philadelphia. He had to kind of rebuild himself. Ron Rivera brought him in, you know, and and he built, you know, he built his confidence back up. And 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 learned a little bit more on how to be a leader in front of a whole team and not just a defense. Sean was ready. I mean, he he but I guess what I'm saying is he went through some things to get him to that point. That, that to me means something when you when you're interviewing these coaches and it, for any I'm talking not just football anything it's pay attention to what people have gone through to get to where they are because if they keep getting over hurdles and getting through tough times and succeeding they're that's the type of person you want leading your team you know nothing's going to phase them and Sean proved that this year with what's going on with Kim Pagula's health and then. And then the, the tragedy with, with you know, the tra- I shouldn't say tragedy, but the tragic event that happened with, with Hamlin. And then just, you know, it's he handled it. He kept that team focused. And they weren't good enough at the end of the day to beat Cincinnati. We can sit there and say all we want. Cincinnati was better than them. They know it. They know it because of the way that before Hamlin's injury, where that game was heading to. Well said. There's so much more that goes into it, and it's what makes it fascinating that time of year when you're hiring a head coach. You know, sitting down with Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota at this point last year, maybe it was like May or June, one of his main points was, look, at some point we're, we're going to go through adversity. Like, we're going to go through a really, really hard time. And he was really trying to just kind of rebuild and, and repatch and start from scratch, like, everything that they had behind the scenes in Minnesota, because it was bad with Zimmer, right? Guys didn't want to go to work that. And then, then all of a sudden they wanted to go to work and they went through adversity. It's no coincidence. I'm saying that the last year Zimmer, they lose a ton of one score games. First year O'Connell, they win a ton of one score games. And sometimes those life experiences like McDermott getting fired by Andy Reed, needing to dust yourself off from that. It's hard to quantify, but I think it helped. It, it, it does help you. And we're going to see now, hell, he's got some adversity going on in the NFL himself. It's I, I That's why I think more, more than any transaction that they could have done this offseason, number one is the coach, the GM, everybody in charge, looking in the mirror and realizing philosophically it's time to change, right? Like no more coffin corner punts in the playoffs against Cincinnati fourth and 10 from the 41 with 50 something seconds left. Let's flip it. Like let's redictate the terms. Let's turn this into a shootout because our defense can't stop anybody. It's that it's just that general, like 
finger on the pulse of your team and the game and the moment. Yeah. And the game has changed. Uh, I thought Feliciano made a really good point when we were talking and saying, look, like the new, when they talk about this, in the, when talk, he's in San Francisco now, but with the Giants, kind of like the new third, the new second down is what the third down used to be. Like you're, you're treating, it's just a different way of thinking. Like when it's second down, all right, I've, I've kind of confused my own, my own head here, but you're going to go for it on fourth down. So if it's third and eight, maybe you just run to set up fourth and two, right? I like it's, it. I'm with you where you're going with this. I take it to first down. I think first down is an indicator where you're at. Right. I want are you to just doing an off tackle run or are you? I want to see what you're doing on first down. That, that, to me, that tells me your mindset a little bit. And I would check the, I always check the yards per attempt. Study the yeah. yards per attempt stat on first downs. I think you're going to see guys that, you know, t- offenses that are a little more aggressive. You know, it was really funny, Jim, is around the Super Bowl, they always replay all the past Super Bowls on NFL Network. I always get sucked into those. And <laughs> you like, I know, you like, you like. <laughs> I know it's like it's just it's easy as long as you know the kids are playing or something and aren't begging for uh Peppa Pig or Bluey. Um, so you try to try to sneak in some of those classics, but the Steelers and the Cardinals were on, and I totally forgot this. You know, it's one of those things that in the this is just how much the game has changed since 2008. Like in the moment, I doubt we're all screaming at our televisions, like, What are you doing, Mike Tomlin? But the very first drive of the game, they drive. 72 yards and nine plays. They have it fourth and one at the Arizona one and they kick an 18 yard field goal. That is, <laughs> that would I, never happen today. It shouldn't happen today. It's almost hard. I, I am. I love that. You just said that. I can't wait. I'm going to bring that up. I can't wait to talk. That is a great, yeah. great call by you. That would never even be in their thought right now. And you know, what's no. funny. What's funny. I wish I could take myself back to that moment. I remember where I was watching the game. I'm not sure if I was in the greatest mindset watching that. I mean, I was definitely having some that that was having some fun watching that Super Bowl. I do remember that. I was in Charleston, South Carolina. But I just remember if I even thought about criticizing that move though. Like if we were watching the game and saying, "Why are they kicking a field goal?" Or do you think we were like, "Yeah, that makes sense." You know, you got to get you gotta, hey, you got to get those right. points. You got to get those points. Like I wonder, I probably didn't even, I probably wasn't even thinking about going for it, you know. I know, right? If, if we did, and what, you know, how did that all start to change in terms of what we expect, right? I think a big inflection point was Bill Belichick. This would have been around the same time. Maybe it was the, it might have been the next year when Bill Belichick went for it. Remember against Indianapolis yeah. on the road? And they're trying to close the game out. It was like fourth and one or fourth and two backed up in their own end. And he went for it just to try to end the game there. And he didn't get it. And they lost. And it looked like Bill Belichick saw a ghost after the game. I mean, that was like, what are you doing, Bill? You lost your mind. But he was ahead. Of, he was ahead of the curve with that. And now that's something you you don't really bat an eye at today. It's just think about basketball, right? Just shoot threes or drive. Baseball, home runs, strikeout. Football is big plays, score, big plays, score. It's everything has kind of changed from that conservative style of playing, uh, get the good shot in basketball, get on base in baseball and work your way around the bases. 
these guys are up there just free swinging right now. And if the Bills do go all in on this new way of thinking with they, Allen right now, they they still have a shot. I mean, they can win the Super Bowl this year. They they oh, absolutely can. Oh, absolutely. Even with everything else going on in the AFC. No question. They're one of the top five teams. Right. They're one of the five that can win it right now. I mean, you know that because of the quarterback, for sure. Okay, everybody out there, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We greatly appreciate you supporting the podcast. Again, uh, subscribe at golongtd.com to get our Buffalo Bills story today where kind of touched on some of the themes here on the podcast, but uh, delves much, much deeper into the philosophical need to change in 2023. Well, the getting's good. Hey, the getting's good with Josh Allen right now. So get it, Jim. Good to see you, brother. It's been fun doing this podcast in the morning because you've got like the golf course behind you and I've, I've seen the sun rise. I like, know. We started pitch black and now it's bright out. So it's uh, yeah, it's a beautiful view. I do love the view. It is. It looks nice. All right. Well, let's do this in person at Fatty very soon. Do it at Fatty. And we got a draft party soon. Announcement will be coming hopefully soon we got to get that ironed out with the gang but we want to hang out with y'all in person so we'll we'll uh, let you know thanks so much everyone